And welcome to Going Off Track. And I'm glad to be here. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're in Brad's beautiful apartment. Um, this is the first time I've been over here and Brad hasn't mentioned how this is the real Lower East Side, <laughs> which normally he says about six times. I'm hoping that you you stopped and got a CoStar's Biale, dude. I did. That that may be the only place that you can get a Biale. Okay? And, and let me so tell you something. I've, I've lived in New York side. for 10 years and never gotten a Biale before. So this maybe is the real Lower East Side. Hell yeah, baby. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're at Brad's place. It's super relaxing. I'm sitting in a very comfortable chair, um, looking at the skyline in New York. Uh, this is just the way that I do it I'm now. Feeling good. It's like yeah. I didn't make. You know, we're recording now at Pulse Music. Pulse Music, which is la- the last podcast was done there. This one was done there. I want to hold on. I want to. I want to take a time out. I want to explain that. Yeah. So we've been doing the podcast at Pulse Music. We record the intro separately at Brad's apartment. Yeah, yeah. Why? It's obvious. Why? So I, I don't have to leave. Yeah, why? I don't know. Because I haven't made it to Pulse for these. Brad, you've been to some of them. I've been to half of them, but neither yeah. one of the first two. Yeah, but so... It wasn't at this one. So yeah, so this is at Brad's, but but the actual podcast today was done with Stephen Grawalski at Pulse Music. Awesome studio. Shout out to him. But it does just seem like I'm just sitting here waiting for people to come to me. Yeah, it's kind of a like a kind of a power move. <laughs> Because I'm like, Brad, we got to do intros. We can do them at Pulse. And he's like, no, we'll do them at my place. Yeah, come come bring me a Bialy. Yeah, I did. It's, it's actually great. What else would I be doing? It's a beautiful Friday. I mean, the first time we did intros here, we drank beers. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of fun, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm looking forward to, Brad? Having some fun. Having some fun. With In the, the sun? With the band that, that the Goops <laughs> toured with, Sam I Am. Uh, just want to give them a little plug. Uh, legendary Berkeley band. They're going to be hitting some spots outside the Jersey and Philly areas in June. Uh, so come out to that. June 9th, Garwood, New Jersey at Crossroads. Tickets available at Ticketfly. Ticketfly, please email me back. I've been emailing you. Uh, <laughs> June 10th, uh, they're headlining... the Ticketfly listening? Yeah, Ticketfly loves this podcast. They're headlining... I bought tickets for Riot Fest, then realized one of my really good friends is getting married that weekend, and the tickets are like non-transferable, and it was very expensive, so I'm trying to figure out something else uh june 10th uh sam am's headlining the nishamani creek brewery company's five-year anniversary party free show june 10th in the mecca of Croydon, pennsylvania and they're heading to europe in july so check out their facebook page for dates at sam i am fancy my favorite sam i am record dun, 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 dun. i mean i do like clumsy that's that's a good one i mean that's what we toured at. that's just yeah. sticks with me yeah too much i mean Estray has has some serious jams on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't. What, there was a record. You are freaking me out. It was the one I think. Uh, yeah, in between a, that one is is really good. I like that Billy. The early stuff is good. Yeah. I haven't listened to much new stuff since Clumsy, except the the record that came out like maybe like. Four years ago, trips. They had this one, trips. I think that, that came it. It out like really, four or five like, years ago. I listened to that; it was really, really good. Yeah, they're a great band. We're gonna get those guys on here for sure. We got to get Sergi on. Yeah, and Jason. Yeah, we'll get those guys on. Um, but today on the podcast, more importantly, we have Steven Steven. Steven Stevens? Steven, no, 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 no. <laughs> Steve Stevens? We have the Steve, guitar player? Steven Steven. <laughs> it's a band uh, composed of Steve Burns, uh, who you may know as the former host of the children's show Blues Clues, and Steven Drozd, uh, who's the multi-instrumentalist in the Flaming Lips. And uh, they have a band. Uh, they worked together on Steve Burns' debut album, Songs for Dust Mites, in 2003. And then... Uh, 
they sort of got together, you know, more recently and started this this project, which is music for um, educational music for kids. Um, and we had them come by to talk about the record right before their first show. They're playing a Brooklyn Bowl, and they have a record called um, Foreverware. I believe that you can check it out on Bandcamp. It's out. Yeah, Foreverware. Foreverware. It's out now. And yeah, this was cool. <laughs> I mean, we talked to what it was like hosting Blues Clues about Steve's uh, death hoax. I talked to Stephen Draws about uh, seeing the Flaming Lips open for Candlebox when I was a teenager. We hit on a lot of different stuff, but yeah, these guys are both super interesting, very accomplished people, and uh, yeah, check out the Steven Steven records, and let's get in this podcast with Steve Burns from Blues Clues and Stephen Drott from The Flaming Lips. Steven Steven. It's going on track! Uh, yeah. No, I have, I'm, I'm mildly have to pee, but I'm going to use that to keep me awake. Like Walter Winchell? Like the Native Americans of old, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how they would wake up for battle. They would drink a bunch of water, go to bed at whatever time, knowing that it would wake them up. Having to pee would wake them up before dawn. And they oh. would get up and now the screaming makes sense. There you go. Alleged, that's, that's a real thing. I've heard about that. Yeah. That's they use that as a tool for waking up. I actually go a similar thing every night, which is interesting. And you just pee the bed. Well, no, not anymore. <laughs> I did. I had a couple pee in the bed phases. Thanks for. Like recently? Well, I, well, no. Thank you. I did have an odd older one. Like it happened again, older than you're supposed to. Like what? Like ten or something? Yeah, like going yeah. into like your tens, elevens, like middle school. It started again. It's not uncommon. At a at a nowhere. Yeah, it's I not listened uncommon. to a podcast Very about this recently, and the guys were saying the worst part was sleepover parties. Oh my god! By far. Yeah. Question. Have, by far. The I worst. peed the bed till I was eight. Can we change the subject? Because yeah. <laughs> you have to go that bad. Yeah, it sounds kind of like oh, this. Right. Yeah. Those are great glasses. Thanks, man. Steven. Now, as are you got? Do you? I always want to ask. Do you? Do you do? Do you like the full Steven? Do you go for the Steve? Do you like? The These both, both prefer Steven, but I am forever Steve because I was Steve. Yeah, and yeah. he's Steven, so it's just easier. Yeah, only three people have called me Steve in my life. Okay, so and, and how did that start? Them calling me Steve, or just or you? Did you? Just, I just from the never onset, felt Steven. like I've just never been. I've never felt like a Steve. Yeah, yeah. I've always preferred Steven, but everyone's always never, called me. It Steve. always felt like that's not really my name. Yeah, like if, like if you were a, you know, a a Robert, and someone called you Bob or Rob, you would be like, well, I actually prefer to be called Robert. Just like, you know. do you find that when you tell people, I feel, please call me Steven, that you feel like you're being the dick? Then, yeah, oh yeah, always, they look at me like I'm an asshole. So, yeah, or so I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, no, that's okay. um, oh, that's but uh, Bob Poller from uh, Guy by Voices calls me Steve. Wow. Uh, Richard Davies from the Moles calls me Steve. Okay. Uh, and Isaac Brock sarcastically uh, from Modest Mouse Steve. calls me Steve Call sometimes because uh, he knows it bothers me. So Steve. anybody from high school, from like college down, calls me Steve. But anyone else, it's Steven. And it always yeah. trips my wife up when they show up and they're like Steve, and she's like. Mm. Yeah, I was never like, like in high school. No one ever called me Steve. It was always Steven. So. I prefer Steven too. Yeah. Double the syllable. How did you two Stevens meet? Uh, way back Steve in the midst yeah. of the oh, fall of 2001. You were at the Steve convention yeah. as well? We, well, I was at the Steven convention. Oh. oh. Yeah. See, it was before high school for the me. The opposing so Steve convention on the other side. <laughs> yeah. See, I do imagine like the Steven convention with like crushed velvet, like a certain regality to the Steven one. And then I imagine the Steve one with like... Sawdust. 
Yeah, no, it's just kind of like belts. the Miller Lite. Yeah, oh, yeah, like braided belts. The I'm thinking the nunchucks thing. guy from Ghost World. He's like a Steve, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe some Ed Hardy shirts over the... there. I don't know. Either a weightlifter or a gay hairdresser. But Steve, but no, Steven come is, on. I know. I, that's Steven is your on. first name, though, right, for both of you? Yeah, he's Stephen Michael Burns. I'm Stephen Gregory Drozd, so we both have kind of Catholic Stephen names. See, I'm a bit of a poser then because my first name is Jeffrey, but my go by Stephen and have since birth, which no is shit. you have no claim, no or, claim, or yeah. right <laughs> you know, to a, any preference. At is all. he is he automatically exempt? From, do you feel like he's sold out the name because he willingly went against it? I don't think willingly, he's selling it. I think he's trying to co-opt oh. it. And my mother allegedly said it's because she dated a guy whose middle name was Steven and she thought that was cool and kind of didn't give my dad the option. Oh, So in a wow. way, that's kind of cool. That's pretty that's weird, actually. kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. It seems like the whole thing's founded on a negative kind of impulse, yeah. but yeah. That's kind of like... okay, though. Wait. I think you just defined my family. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Be, be our business card. Wait, I do want to hear about that a little bit. Wait. No. No? Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. We got other Stevens here, man. We got things to do. Jonah, do you ever get called Steven? Never. <laughs> just, never. Just doesn't happen? Never. It's, it's never happened. Not once. Not once. I don't believe that. Not for a second. <laughs> but even that. Did you guys, I, I saw that you actually uh, retweeted it, but the Colbert segment... Well, he tweeted. Trying, I, oh, I did. Yeah, I retweeted that. Yeah, about like we need more good Stevens. Yeah, Stephen from Stephen Bannon and Stephen Miller and company. Yeah. Yeah, it's I saw true. That and I thought I had. I thought I had a running chance of being included because he's he mentioned Blues Clues a couple times on Colbert Report. <gasps> oh, so I was like, oh, what's gonna happen? It's gonna happen. Damn, <laughs> so close. How you know, cool would it be if Colbert mentioned included me in one of the good Steves? That would have been so great. <laughs> yeah, completely. I, totally yeah. overlooked. Well, maybe nah. in good no, Stephen don't, news don't, for you don't, guys. Don't give up yet, man. Yeah. I mean, he's a big Lips fan. I'll be there next week. I'll tell him right. about the good Steve. Uh, are you going to be on next week? We can't announce it yet, but we're on Thursday of next week. So, yeah. Right on. Lips Aren't are we on a podcast right now? Didn't you just announce it? No, this, this is a lot. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Or ever. It will have happened by then. Yeah, we I can't mean. announce it till the, the day before, I think. So, we're playing a really? Cobra on Thursday. So That'll be super yeah. fun. And you know what's great about him? Because he always does like skits with Wayne and stuff, and they're like buddies. But every time we've done anything with him, at some point he comes over really quick and goes, Hey, Steven, how you doing, buddy? I'm like, great. He's like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> he does that every time I see him. We did the Kolb Cella thing on the, the crazy boat a couple years ago, mm -hmm. with his little mini festival that he did. He was running around doing like a million things. And at some point I was like sitting in this little director's chair thing, just kind of watching all the insanity. He came over, he's like, hey, Steven, how you doing? I'm like, pretty good. He's like, okay, good, I'm busy. Good to see you, man. I'm like, ah, oh, what a nice guy, you know? He's such a uh, guy. I bumped into him literally while I was buying hiking boots in New Jersey. Where in New Jersey? Rutherford, does that sound right? Mm, sounds sure right. does. Yeah, and uh, I was buying hiking boots and I bumped into him. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Gore-Tex? He Gore-Tex? My hero. <laughs> that was it. That was it. He's a hero, man. <laughs> what, how much have you wanted to say something? Like, what? I never know what to do in situations like that. Like, there are very few situations where I run into somebody... That I admire, I know who they are, and I actually want to be like, I you feel like I like, have something important enough to say to spark a conversation. Like, you run into like Springsteen, like for real. I actually like, it's separate. That guy like got introduced to me. It's a totally oh, different okay. story. Uh, so like mm -hmm. I had a right 
to it. Ah, uh, I'm it. talking about like I saw Sasha Cohen randomly in Hawaii oh, wow. with his family. I would, I would, be, I would. And he was uh, at this little bow, like yeah. banana mm-hmm. stand. He was with his kids. He's doing this thing. I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. I don't. I don't have anything to say to this guy. Not anything real or important. And let him go on with his. Yeah, dude, I'm with you, man. That's the time I, not I, to say something. I totally right. agree. I'm absolutely with you. So, what's the time yeah. to say something? Like when they're in a working capacity, yeah, like I think at so. their working venue. And if, there, or, if there's some way that you can naturally affiliate, Bjork spilled a beer on me in Reykjavik. <sighs> Holy shit! You we have that in common. Yeah. yeah, I was with my friend Gumi Thor in Reykjavik, <laughs> and she spilled a beer on me. And uh, I, uh, I had every reason to talk to her. We'd actually even heard that her kid was a Blues Clues fan. And I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it? I had every reason to go talk to her. Like like you were saying, like I had every excuse and reason. Maybe she even pulled <laughs> that like 80s movie thing where she intentionally spilled no, the beer she on was, you to she was like a strange little whirling dervish like, as oh, you can God, imagine excuse me. I mean you're like so I, thought I, I thought I was looking at a homeless person but it was actually a Bjork it was weird. <laughs> I, was, I was just truly very starstruck at that moment and I don't usually get starstruck is she just was... followed by like light no. in Iceland I imagine her just like <laughs> it was very not a big deal and it was not a very big club or mm. it was not glamorous at all that's cool you want something crazy the exact same thing happened to me here in New York <laughs> Bjork drunkenly fell on me really yeah I think Bjork. I think it's time to uh, we need stage an intervention. She's a really small. Probably doesn't take much. It was at a. It was at a small. Stop! Stop! What? I had one. No, you. My naming is Bjork, and I am for having to be drinking. She would kick all of our asses at the same time. God, without without Rob, Rob Hayden uh, tormented her for two years. Like, do not mess with her. Really tough reputation. Yeah. Sure, I love her shows, her ass, man. Yeah. She's, I've seen her a bunch. She's so phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, That's man. Cool. I couldn't talk to her. I was just like, oh. Yeah. No. I mean, how do you guys sort of deal? Because I imagine both of you kind of get recognized pretty regularly. No one recognizes me. Really? Are you kidding me? I look more like Paul Schaefer than I do like Steve from Blue's Clues. <laughs> I heard you get Moby from time to time. Uh, sometimes I'm really skinny. Like sometimes I work out a lot and I get uh, really in shape. And so then, in like a good month, you get a Moby? Yeah, I do. I do actually. <laughs> that happens more. People think I'm the dude from the bass player from OK Go. I get that. Uh, I get, I've never gotten Paul Schaefer, but I feel like I'm, I'm on my way. Speaking of a guy, I pissed next to Paul Schaefer once. Really? How was <laughs> that? Do I look like him? Before. Can you guys we go pee together? You're, you're fabulous. You're great. <laughs> you're fabulous. I love the way you pee. It's fabulous. You're great. <laughs> Does he play along like when you're playing on the show? He has would... before, not every time. But okay. The first time the lips were on uh, Letterman was like uh, 95 when we did She Don't Use Jelly, that song. And Schaefer wanted to play, and people were like, "You can't play." I'm like, "No, he's gonna play with. He's gonna play with the flaming lips. He's gonna this hokey keyboard organ part. I'm like, yes." Oh, he's, like he's like, part, "You guys right? are man, you're fantastic. I love it. I love the whole chord change. Like, yeah, it's D to C to G, whatever, you know." <laughs> and then ten years later on, again, we play whatever we played. Do you realize? Like, you guys are fabulous. I love you. I love what you do. You guys are gonna great town. And then we've done it like five times since then. He says the same exact thing every time. <laughs> you know, you guys like, are fabulous. I love you. He's apparently the first person to uh, accidentally say fuck on TV. One of the first people, like he said it on SNL years and years ago. Oops. Really? And just like just one of those random little yeah. bits where. He was yeah, hosting. Was he used it? to be the band leader, I think. He was, yeah. He, I think did. it was Howard Shore than him, I think. Oh. Yeah, and then he also did the bit where Bill Murray was the lounge singer. Was always yeah. Paul Schaefer was the piano player. Uh, Bill Murray was the lounge singer. So. And he's already Fufkin. What's that? And he's already Fufkin. I know, yeah, he's, right? he's already Fufkin. <laughs> yeah. I'm like sort of personally offended by the fact that you can't say the word fuck on TV. You, it actually bothers me. Now, like, it, now, now it 
just Spe- depends on the channel you're watching because it's spe- it depends. you know you know what it is it's like when i'm flipping around right and i'll go three channels in a row from like let's say a reality show about plastic surgery where i'm literally watching like a human body get mutilated mm-hmm and not even for like a good reason. Talking botched. You watch botched. I don't. I'm talking. I'm talking flipping. I don't watch. Those oh, okay. Things. I'm in a flipping capacity mm-hmm. for this hypothetical. Yeah. And then like the next one, you know, we'll see like Rambo. You know, I'm just watching like people get their brains brains blown out mm-hmm. from point blank range and things like that. Their brains blown out. Their yeah. brains blown yeah. out. That's, That's David Blaine's next bit. He's gonna have a blame. <laughs> blains brown out. Like, and then the next but it's growing out. I'll yeah. see something really really innocent and the word like. You know, dick or <laughs> shit or just something really, really simple. Being what, what is that double standard? Where did Wait, that what come is the from? show we're doing? That's here. America. What is this podcast? Guys? Oh, it's called it's Going, called off, going track. off Track. Okay, but there you go. I was actually curious. <laughs> Excellent. About um, where do you live? I live in Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma live, City, Oklahoma. You live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you guys mostly do the Pro Tools? It's about time I came up here to work with him. He came yeah. to Oklahoma City like <laughs> yeah. 10 times. Yeah, he there's a lot, of, you know, but there's a lot of really cute girls in Oklahoma City. Really? Midwest. That's really why he came there. That's, mm. Well, it was actually part of it at one point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I, really, I mean, Steve's got a family and like, I'm like, I've got a lot more flexibility in terms of, of, of how I can. Mm-hmm travel and and go places so it was kind of out of respect for that you know and Mm -hmm. and also we worked with this guy in oklahoma trent bell he's really good really quick engineer and uh it just seemed that we had the resources there so we would we would always record down there gotcha and so much cheaper and we have more time to do stuff and it is a lot cheaper. if we were going to do like a full-on recording studio here it would be it would be so much more expensive. But. And he just had kids. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense to ask. They were, and at that know. time, they were very, very yeah, children. So you know. And I'm gone so much with the flaming lips that I didn't want to leave unless I absolutely had to. So that's mm-hmm. how that. That's how the Oklahoma City thing evolved. Gotcha. But, but the idea that we're playing the first show we hear at Brooklyn Bowl makes perfect sense to me. That makes more sense than our first show being in Oklahoma somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but... Yeah. I agree. And what's the wellspring of the song? Like, Who comes up with what? I always want to do some musical thing that I'm trying to do, and he wants to do some thematic, lyrical, educational thing, emotional thing that he wants to get across. We find the meeting place for those two things to come together. Yeah, and it's also... It's a generalization, but that's kind of it, you know. He's kind of a prolific dude, you know. And so I'm like, what do you got? He's like, I got this nugget that I've been chewing on for yeah. six hours. That those fun ones don't want. So well, some of those, yeah. <laughs> Check and, this uh, out. <laughs> okay, toilet bowl was like uh, one of those songs that I had for a while that I would kind of play it every once in a while for the guys in the band. It was always kind of like, that's no. And I play it for you. You're like, I know yes. exactly what's going to happen on this one, and then boom. Six hours later, we had a song about defecating. But about, um, yeah. children. But there's also the been times poop. where I'm like, <laughs> like there was there was a song. We have a song on the record about bullying. Where I was like, I want to do a song about me being bullied when I was in first grade. You know, 
And that's what that started with your idea. That yeah, and then, the and then Stephen was like, with, yeah. "Well, here's some very wimpy Morrissey chords that I've got for you." And, and that kind of goes both ways. Way. Yeah. yeah, you said that you you wanted to make a song that expressed those emotions and those feelings, and yeah. So we built the musical part of the song from the idea of the lyrics, and that, yeah. that's kind of a fun way to work too. So, yeah. and actually, I think that's more the way it happens. Where then there was yeah. a time where I was like. Let's write a song about this crazy octopus. And you were like, this is like a crazy octopus, psychedelic yeah, octopus yeah. riff, you know. Yeah. That's, That's true. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the story about first grade? Oh, well, um, I went to school, first grade, first day of school, dressed perfectly, head to toe as Mork from Ork. <laughs> And uh, with suspenders and the you see what I'm dealing with here. I mean, come on. That's a very tight shirt. Too. Yeah, and I got my ass kicked, you know, like immediately. And I was also the first person on the bus, so I would sit in the best seat, which to me was the back seat on the left, facing the back. And uh, the second guy I got on the bus was, of course, named Brock, and he was a no. bully. No way. And he he had it's too perfect. That's not to say he, all Brocks are bullies. He had every other seat to choose from, including another back seat, but he wanted mine, and the injustice of that still upsets me. And so we would fight because I would never like, you know what I mean? Like I would always kind of stand up for myself ish, you know. And we would fight, but he would always win because I was like this big, you know. Shazbot, yeah, you stand up totally, for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good though. But that's yeah. not the point of the, the point of the song. Um, the point of the song gets kind of cool hand Luke because he says, "I know you think you just knocked me down, but I'm still standing." You mm -hmm. know, and, and I won't let you change who I am. And that's the point of the song because, like, I remember when I was getting bullied a lot, I would I was starting to get mean to other kids. Uh, right. You know what I mean? And then my dad kind of stepped in and said, "You can't let that change, like, legitimately who you are." You know? Yeah. And. uh Kind of, that's what he said, but that's how I interpret it now. So, yeah, and that's, you know, you, you, you can't do that. And then in the song we say, we ask the bully, you know, do you know how it feels? Because I think you do. And that's always the case, right? You know, yeah. the bully is often, that's a learned behavior, usually. Well, yeah, whether it's their older brother or their dad or another older kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so true, yeah. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts, and I, I recently just saw a clip of actually um, Mr. Rogers mm. speaking at a, a Senate hearing. Isn't that great? Yeah, you saw it. So, oh, sure. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, the things he was touching on with that, um, the emotional responses of kids, the things that need to be guided in them, and the things, you know, when he would ask those baiting questions to kids and the things to keep them along and to make sure that they were like... Um, being able to view and see the emotional response in a situation, not only in themselves, but other people is that, I mean, you worked obviously in that field for so long. I was curious about your thoughts of like childhood development and, and how the songs connect to it. And that specifically, if, cause the song you're talking about sounds like it's important to you that kids learn the same kind of emotional response you do. Well, it's there's a lot there. It's a good question. I mean, first of all, Fred Rogers, you know, was the boss. Like he was the avatar of the Buddha. Like I was they, there's never by been that. anything like him before or since, and he was the real deal. Yeah. And Blues Clues, by the way, is based on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Is that right? Sort of note for note. You know, like the reason I wore the same shirt every day is because he did the sweater. Um, the way he talked to the camera was amazing, mm -hmm. and uh, he would take an idea in the show and then take it into an imaginative realm with the trolley 
and we would do like a skidoo to do the same thing. Like we, we, we basically worshipped that show. Sure. Um, and he said something that was really important to me when I was a children's television show host. He said that, uh, and I think this is to your question, uh, anything that comes out of the television in the house is automatically a sanctioned thing and a part of mm. the parents' caregiving because mm. the kids look at it like an appliance, like the oven. Anything that comes out of the oven is cool because mom and dad made it. Anything, mm. anything that comes out of the fridge is fine because it's safe because mom and dad made that too. And kids sort of see the television in the same way. So I think that puts a tremendous amount of importance on um, on what we're doing. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of this record, I, I kind of didn't focus it that way. Like, I wasn't thinking, everything's got to be perfect, and I have to know exactly what I'm saying, and I have to make sure everything is 100% correct. But you did, for the most spe- part, do that exact thing. <laughs> it's, it's in my bones. It's in my you, bones, You though. did that exact thing. You put so much thought in some of those lyrics. It was, it's amazing, I think. So. But the criteria yeah. for us was always, like, that song. The song about me being bullied. I could have written that song in a, in a very different way, but I wrote it in a way that I made sure moved me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that was right. always the criteria when we were making this record. If we wrote a funny song, it had to make us laugh. Sure. If we wrote a sad song, it had to make us tear up or whatever. You know? Isn't That's it true that, that um, my kids are big fans of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Yeah, Angela made that. Yeah. yeah, from Blues Clues. She's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, she invented Blues Clues and she did that. And uh, yeah, she's real good at what she does. How old are your children? Mine are, they're going to be six. Yeah. Okay. And they... They, w- uh, they would love every song on the Stephen Stephen record. Then yeah. we then they shall be played for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we start on the record, my son was two and my daughter wasn't born yet when we started, actually, oh, wow. which is pretty crazy. And they're 11 and nine now, so they have grown up on these songs. Ah, oh, it's so great. To them, it's like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or, <laughs> or, right. or whatever. It's just part of their musical yeah. library, you know. So. That's a very good um, yeah. list of bands to include us in. I'm happy, I'm happy <laughs> with that. That's kind of how they, you know. We've had uh, Greg from the Bouncing Souls on, and he has um, uh, he he and his wife do something for kids called Playdate. Mm-hmm. and they tour around, and it's kind of funny because he talks about now how the audience mm-hmm. has not changed, except mm-hmm. it's their children come with their parents mm. and that's the only difference between that and like a bouncing soul show yeah, do you find yeah. do you find that like have you got me guess have, have you played this out no <laughs> we haven't played a show yet not yet okay we no. played a couple of the songs for the first time ever today oh nice yeah yeah right on <laughs> that's why we look completely blown out right i mean now it's because, scary uh, you know i mean um it's a little scary like because for me it's a little freaky because i had to summon a part of me that I've not summoned in 20 years, you know, like to sort of to do it. Um, and also I think there's kind of like a personal expectation. There's like a little, the stakes are kind of high. It's like, you know, I'm here, I am entertaining for kids again, you know? Mm. So there's a little personal pressure you put up, but it was a lot of fun. And you know, sounds what, like you what set brought a pretty you back? high standard for yourself. Too. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's like what happened to the blues clues guy? Is he dead? No, he's, he's alive and he's singing the song. Let's, it better be good. <laughs> right. Jen, Jen and I saw Christmas on Mars. We went to one of the theaters that we was did. set up Jeez. with speakers. I don't want to talk no. about that. <laughs> I saw you guys tour with Candlebox. 
Did you oh, really? Wow. Where'd you see us? Cleveland State University. Oh my god, that tour was hellish. Had a lot of Christmas lights on your gear, and I thought that was like amazing. Yeah, um, that's where it started with those guys. I think we had to yeah. do something. Yeah, opening for Candlebox was man, that was. What record was that? Uh, Klaus Taste Metallic. No, it was before Klaus Taste Metallic. It was a uh, transmission from the satellite heart. That's such a good record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. That was the tour we did right before we worked on Klaus. So it was the fall of '94, fall and winter. Yeah. What was here, the Candlebox crowd? Here, here, here's it? the thing: is the tour before that was Lollapalooza's second stage, but it was every day. Nick came in the bad seats, the Boredoms, uh, the Breeders, L Seven, Guided by Voices, the Beastie Boys. I mean, like so every bad. fucking great band at that time. Palace Brothers, all the great bands. Wow! And then the next tour was opening for Candlebox. Candlebox. For three, months. <laughs> <laughs> three months, and we went from like wow, young rock star wanting to be people too like now we're just old and really miserable and we came <laughs> home and my girlfriend now my wife was like wow you aged like five years in the last three months like, yes, <laughs> yeah they would yeah. play far behind and then they would go into like voodoo child yeah thing. yeah yeah and they go into voodoo child and just met oh did they do the same set every night Another uh, one mix it up a little bit. Mix it up a bit. But it always ended with the, the last two hit the, the two big hits were always the last two songs, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I think they still play. Every song sounded the same. It was like, yeah. I, yeah, I was yeah, really into them at that point in my life. Your ears hadn't been around that long. Clearly, you've grown out of it. Or you wouldn't be doing this right now. I've grown out of it. Yeah, shame, bro. Yeah, yeah. No shame in the box. Dude, you got a gateway. It's good. It works. I think Priest Driven Ambulance, that was when I was in college. That was the first one I heard before I joined joined the group. They brought that record in. I remember we were listening. We are like, this is something. Yeah. It it blew my mind. I saw Candlebox on the reverse tour for you guys. Not that one. Which was, I saw them open for Rush. Oh, my God. The Rush fans were... Not too stoked about. I have a candle hard time well, thinking of a concert no, I'd like to go to less than Candlebox opening for Rush. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> hell. Yeah, fun. I've seen uh, Rush a few times, and it's always like, you know what? I wish I could have seen him in nineteen eighty one, not 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 two thousand three. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, because they can still play, but it's not the same thing. I saw, I saw him in the eighties, and it was it was great because we were all in high school, and it felt like it was just weird because we all. You know, we were like northern D.C. kids, and it was all minor threat and misfits and everything. So yeah, we, yeah. we'd missed that by a few years. But then we all liked Rush. And yeah. someone said, what's, someone wrote somewhere on the interwebs, what's your Rush line in the sand? And I thought that was really funny. Like, what <laughs> what were you never, what's, where do you stop? And I was like, well, okay, was, oh, stop. Don't, before you say it, mm-hmm. let's say it at the same time and okay. see if it <laughs> jives. Okay, okay, God, okay, right. not gonna jive. I'll give you a one, two, three. Okay. 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 One, one, two. two. Three. Three. Price under pressure. <laughs> Why Presto. Oh, yeah. here's difference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A couple okay. years. I tried, yeah. A couple years. That's yeah. pretty good. Grace not pretty good, you know. And I then saw I saw him on Power Windows tour was actually the first time I saw him. That's a good in yeah, Dallas. That's but it was that. already for me, I was seventeen, I was in high school, but it was Steve. Uh, he's falling hey, asleep. Steve. But it was already too like <laughs> it was just too much bad synthesizers felt. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like Fridman saw on the Signals tour in Buffalo. I'm like, you son of a bitch. What's that song that's written in a time signature that doesn't exist? I went back to the 30-year anniversary tour with some friends. We kind of bonded at work over Rush, and we went back, and it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And Because right in the middle, 
Getty said the worst thing I've ever heard a singer <laughs> say. He went, we'd like to play some cover songs with your permission. And without blinking, my friends and I went, you don't have it. You don't have it <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. Like we retract everything we've done. But it was a Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. And instead of a, a stack of bass amps, he had a washer and dryer. Why? That pissed me off. I saw that. Totally and somebody that. periodically would come out and take... The take clothes, clothes out, out of the dryer. It, or, that didn't yeah. bother me so much. I kind of backed that a little bit. <laughs> that's so dumb. I'm embarrassed. That's, that's one of the best things we've ever heard about that band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's rough. Yeah. That, that, it was my uh, first concert, guys. Rush? Well, yeah. Not that one. It was the Roll the Bones tour. Oh, uh, were they rapped? Was that, was that with Primus? <sighs> uh, no, Mr. <laughs> going to hell quickly. <laughs> Mr. Big. Mr. Big opened We talked Mr. about Big, Rush for dude. too yeah. long. I, they were a band that formed my whole DNA, but I don't want to talk about Rush anymore. Gotcha. <laughs> I, 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 Steven I and I don't disagree that often about music. We actually have a lot of yeah. musical affiliation, but, but that's man, something we don't agree on. ELO and Rush, leave me yeah. out. You have a Rush hard line. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and then moving dude. pictures when I was in sixth grade, it just it changed my life, man. This is all there is to it. So. And you, I remember uh, when I worked at Alternative Press, I got a solo record that you had done that you guys had helped collaborate on. Is that? Yeah, well, well it was his record. I just helped, record? I helped yes. him on some songs. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. had you guys kind of stayed in touch this whole time? Well, that's how it yeah. started. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's how we met. Yeah. We met when I. I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew Dave Fridman, who produced Flaming Lips, who produced the Soft Bolton, which was the record that his first record was in a Priest Street Ambulance. So that was Dave Fridman's first record. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the big change, you know, with the group. Um, that record kind of rewired my brain. You know, Soft Bolton. Yeah, I lost I lost my my shit when I heard that record. Uh, it's one one of my not because you're here, but one of my top ten favorite records. It is, it is my favorite that, record. Yeah. It is my favorite record, and uh. uh and so I was just, I was like screwing around with Pro Tools at the time. And I was, I was as big a fan of Dave Fridman as I was of Stephen Jones. He was in Mercury Rev too. Mercury. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. just like, yeah, whoever he's... made this sound this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Fridman's like, he's just in his own league. He just exists alone by himself, you know. So, so I, I shot him a four song CD or whatever. And he oh, wow. confessed that he only listened to it because he thought it was going to be so awful. <laughs> were you still <laughs> doing the show at this time or this is post? I had just, I think I was still maybe on it a little bit. I don't even you know. Were, you were in the process of leaving yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah, exactly at that time. And he's like, so what do you want to do? You want to work on a couple of these songs? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, Stephen Jones is up here working on a new record. Do you want, maybe you maybe could put like some string parts or drums on or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I was already in my car at that point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? did you try to play yeah. it cool? Like, yeah, maybe it might be I cool. I did, but I wasn't yeah. cool at all. I was like, so yeah, We hit excited. it off pretty quick. And we just became enough. fast friends, literally. Like, you know. We just really got along from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing you didn't talk about Rush at the beginning. No, I think we more Actually, bonded. Actually, okay, here, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> he won't remember this, but I remember it like it was yesterday. You mean the phone We call? had a phone call <laughs> about a week before you I came. Remember the, I remember the whole thing. And we just started spitballing. Here's a group I like. Do you like this group? We agreed on Journey, but we did not agree on Yes. We did not agree. <laughs> but we agreed on the we, Unforgettable Fire. We That yeah. was our favorite U2 record. We agreed on that. And we so had, a fa- like we had the weird... same favorite song on that record. Yeah. Which is Elvis weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all that, dude. Come on. All right. Don't front. <laughs> That's quality. Okay. Yeah, so it was like, uh, but yeah, what was Air Supply. We, well, like, we like, both kind of like Air Supply. Yeah. Who yeah, was like, split which way on Yes? I don't like Yes. I'm, I'm like Yes you know, No Yes, no Rush. All right, I'm seeing a theme. Uh, if Gun to my head, Die. You're missing out. <laughs> You're missing out, dude. You're missing out. I Harvest Sunrise. I'm I missing out. I appreciate what I appreciate their powers. 
but I think they use their powers for evil. <laughs> Tom Sawyer's badass song. And the riff is like, it, that's a badass It's one of my least favorite ones. So. I know. And every yeah, Rush fan yeah. feels the same yeah. because Rush fans like, Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no one at the bridge off Caress of Steel. I go deep, man. Caress of Steel is great. Bastille Day, it's a great record. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. Really the, I know you've talked about this. About, wait, hold on. What oh, about I'm Yes, sorry. though? Where do, you, where do you go with Yes? Oh, I'm pro Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm up to never, like never listen to him really. Like, okay, I those st- layering I epic volo, uh, vocal solos and yeah, these, okay. these crazy things—they're fun, man. Sure, it's just yeah. epic and fun. Yeah, it's epic. I'll give you that. I, just, I don't <laughs> think, it's I, fun, I think but... Tales from Topographic Oceans like that gave them just a bad like. Okay, this band is just so full of shit. That was the over the top. Yeah. That's that was that's what did it. That if was they had made line. that record, it probably they probably wouldn't be perceived in the way they're perceived because of that record. I think their covers are kind of cool. Jump the shark. <laughs> they definitely jumped the shark, yeah. But that was my first concert ever was them on the 90125 tour in 1984. Oh, nice. And I think the band Berlin were supposed to open up. But wow. Berlin canceled, so they showed Warner bum, Brothers bum, cartoons bum, bum, for like an hour. <laughs> and then Yes came out that? with this fucking laser show that was like, it opened with changes off 90125. That song. Was that in Texas or Oklahoma? It was in Houston, Texas. Yeah, yeah I was in ninth grade. It just... <laughs> That was it. You got to be was, careful with no. Warner Brothers cartoons, though. I just got a whole bunch for my kids and got them out of the children's section of the library. And I knew to look because I've made this mistake. It said not for children. Yeah, this one they're like blatantly racist, strange, blatantly and, oh, racist, yeah. blatantly uh, racist. And I went to the librarian and I said, you know, this is in the kids section. They went, yeah, it's Bugs Bunny. I went, eh, fine print, pointing. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we had no idea because I have all of the. Yeah, it's got a Japanese guy that's depicted as a yeah, Japanese. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like, bad. It's, the uncensored, Tom and Jerry, too. Oh, yeah. the, I love all the uncensored Tom and Jerry. Yeah, they're like crazy. Man, Heckle and Jekyll is pretty bad, too. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I think yeah. it started out as bad. I yeah. love Heckle and Jekyll. What do these guys kid? symbolize? <laughs> that's why I'm so racist, because I watched Heckle and Jekyll as a kid. That's what happened. Damn. <laughs> so, wait. So you had a death hoax, Steve, right? For a long time. Yeah, I think time. I still do, dude. Oh, it's still going. I think so. Yeah. I, first off, I was impressed by having one pre-social media. It's yeah. impressive. Well, no, it's not unprecedented. There's Mikey with the pop rocks. There's... No, I said impressive. Not oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. But it was cool that you did that. But one thing I found interesting when you were saying it was how, after a certain amount of time, you you found it to be like there was like a cultural preference. It seems where that way. like people. I feel that like, way. <laughs> the narrative was written so long that you you really think like. It, it people seems, seems like people that? would prefer it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, like, why? It it does start to feel a little bit like, um, you know, actually, Steve Burns is alive. No, he's not. No, he must be dead. <laughs> I mean, and and I, I don't know. I'm just going to start saying that it's true because it is true, guys. That could be. <laughs> We're all dead. I love there it. are alternate facts, you know, so. Yeah. No, That's true. Yeah. You can... So it's you and McCartney, and... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Paul McCartney is a good one. He's yeah. been dead since 66. That's crazy, I know. Yeah. But yeah. no one the believes Avril anyone. And it's also partially... What's the Avril Lavigne one? I never knew the Avril Lavigne one. Wait, she's she married the guy from Nickelback? from Nickelback. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's what we know. That it's not. No, that's like, the same. It's <laughs> close. There's a thing that's that it's not her. If you look at all these photos. Oh, right. That's really? Yeah, okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can look. But she up. was manufactured anyway. I, I think she's Oliver most definitely Stone a, did a documentary about the Avril Lavigne one. I left a children's television show and just dropped off the face of the earth, and I mean, I think that had a lot to do with it. And I was not really interested in 
in being a public figure at all after I left that show. So I think it was just kind of like a, you know, and so, um, but I mean, but the rumors were there while I was on the show. Really? Yeah. Were you getting a lot of interview requests and whatnot directly after the show about it? About being dead? Yeah. Like were people like, can you speak on your death? No, (laughs) no. I mean, I did go on the Rosie O'Donnell show once, uh, at Nickelodeon's, request oh really just because kids were like upset kids oh, were no like, oh i already died and i was like still here oh, just man. don't want to talk to you anymore <laughs> what were you sort of doing after the show ended were you just working mostly on music stuff just lying low i was festering yeah festering and moldering were you living out here then yeah no i mean i i've always been a voiceover guy we you know um f- since even while i was on blues clues that was always my career you know, like Blues Clues in a way was the anomaly. And that's what I've always been doing for the last 20 years. You know, it's always been my gig. You know? what are some Can you give us an example of something? They say you're not supposed to do that. So, uh, I know, but just for I, us. I, I, I love voiceovers. And yeah. I think it's like, probably, I think it's the hardest thing to break into. Oh, to break into, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And my, my younger brother is um, is learning disabled. Mm. And he loves animation. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 35, but all he watches are cartoons. And he memorizes everybody's names yeah who does all the voices do you well, do- i don't i don't do cartoon I gonna, stuff i was gonna ask. yeah i'm much more of like a commercial guy mm-hmm. like if you hear someone who sounds like the blues clues guy trying to sell you like insurance or a car or something it's probably me fair enough yeah, yeah. steven you just heard vanessa and despicable me too yes okay. yeah i had no idea that vanessa was one line it's so far into the movie i haven't made it that far yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> i mean it's not as good as the first one but it's still okay yeah it's okay yeah. just don't do minions man don't oh, high five on that one man oh lord it's so bad <sighs> i God. luckily previewed that before my children got to see it and they were like can we I watch it my like, kids too I, my son was work like on the nope. itunes <laughs> sorry my son was like i'm getting too old for this crap when does their so i have a one-year-old when does their attention span pick up to the point that they can actually watch a full movie with you a full movie well, it depends, that just depends on you, not your child. Yeah, you got. I feel like I don't know if yeah, I have that yeah. attention span anymore. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Yeah. Show show them Tommy the Who movie when they're four and see what mm-hmm. happens after that. That's okay. Good. Or Gothic. Yeah. If you're gonna do Ken Russell, there's a lot Kur- of different Kurosawa. Yeah, I'd a little Kurosawa right now. Yeah. Start them off on that Hidden <laughs> Fortress. Okay. That way, when they watch Star Wars, they know it's bullshit. Right. They know it's bullshit. Yeah. These are great tips, fellas. It's all allegory. <laughs> uh, you know what? This, the thing the children's programming the thing that that was the gateway for my kids was yo gabba gabba mm. oh yeah the mike yeah my kids love that as well yeah. to the point where we like paid to do the meet and greet with <laughs> one time i met DJ we did that lance too yeah dj whole... lance yeah what's funny about him is he's actually he's best old friends with my brother-in-law totally random that is weird he grew up in st louis missouri my wife's sister they're from tulsa but my wife's sister moved to St. Louis in the early 90s, married a guy who's best friends with DJ Lance. They were like punk rockers in the 80s together. Holy crap. Because he used to work just, at Amoeba in LA, I think. I yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, they finally kicked things open. You know what I mean? In the 90s, there was this whole initiative to make children's television so considered and educational and focused, and, and Blue's Clues was part of that. You know, and uh, I was always a proponent on Blue's Clues for like, can we be cool too? Like, there's no reason why we can't be cool, but um, it, it was very taboo to be cool on kids' TV. It was a, it was about honoring the children's attention span and talk only to what they can understand and all those things. Hmm. And Yoga Guy was like, "No, 
<laughs> yeah. Let's do this. You know, it was a giant boombox. It's cool totally stuff. Worked. Yeah. MGMT. Yeah. We already have we already have these costumes from our shows. Let's <laughs> right. go ahead yeah. and do this. Well, I remember as growing up as uh, um, I'm not too much older than you, but you know, remember for cool. Even Sesame Street, you knew you liked, but Electric Company, like was that, cool. was that was cool. It. Yeah, yeah. Electric know? Company was super cool, super yeah. cool, and yeah, funny. It, was, it still yeah. is, actually. Yeah. I wholeheartedly I still think agree. Space Rock, Rock. That somehow that's that a very Electric Company from Electric think. Company. Somehow in the back mm-hmm. of my brain, I stole well, that from Electric good. Company. Yeah. I was showing my kids. I found an old copy of Free to Be You and Me because I have the the audio of it, and they kept listening to it in the car. And so I found it doesn't exist. Old Marlo Thomas um, thing and some of the dancers from electric company are in that and my kids love to dance we're like who's that girl who's that girl and i was like well oddly enough they're on this show what is this yeah you know and it kind of helps you're a cool dad man you're a cool dad no i like the aesthetic on electric company too the early blue screen stuff and the early kind of weird atari graphic-y kind of stuff really neat yeah and that's how that's where i learned about spider-man oh boy a really bad spider-man though i even knew then that like that's not a cool enough Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man should be cooler than Spidey this Man. Yeah, he was kind of wimpy and <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. My my kids came home singing the Spider-Man theme song from school, and it was something like uh, I can't remember, but it was something about being good readers. Because and their singer, their teachers were singing it to him, so it was like, "Great readers, we are reading, doing the whole thing." And I'll, how'd you guys learn the? I don't need to explain this. It's not going to help you at all. <laughs> go with it. Just In the slightest. Yeah. You got it. I back it. Totally. How do you guys play the situation currently? I know you're both politically oriented to the point that you're interested in tweet about it and things like that. I have to stop. I, I seem like a yeah, jackass. I don't, I don't know that we want to get him going. No, no. I, it's something that's... It's honestly... It's been... He's just going it, to... It, it's been something that's interesting to me because I, you know... So I heard some people recently talk a little smack about Lady Gaga for saying nothing at the Super Bowl performance. She said she sang a Woody Guthrie and, song. And I'm like, I'm like, exactly. You sang a Woody Guthrie song. You also <laughs> performed in this way in the, the most giant stage. And it seemed like an effective message to me. The I, one thing, I got a message from her, yeah. The, yeah, one, sure. the, the one thing I thought about was how, like, are you converting Lady Gaga fans? Lady Gaga fans are already people who would probably side with somebody who's anti-Trump. I get the same impression for somebody who's a Flaming Lips fan. Normally would be somebody who's already on that team. And I wonder sometimes, and I, I suffer from the same thing. I go into Twitter wormholes all the time. I see some information, I wake up and I read it, and it sets me on this thing that I don't want to be on. And this, this voice I have on Twitter, I feel like can do something. But even though I feel like I'm maybe screaming into a vacuum a little bit, like, do you think that by doing it, we're actually like doing anything? That's a great question. I guess for me personally, I keep trying to find some way that I can express my frustration and rage and everything and have it be unique to me. So it's entertaining, but also letting you know what's going on. I haven't found that yet. I just yeah. come across like a blowhard, I think. So it's kind of a tough... Like, I read Patton Oswalt's tweets about Trump, and they make me laugh, and I completely agree with them. Right. I don't know if it's giving any more information as to what's going on. And I try to read as much National Review as I do, you know, New York Times or Washington Post or whatever, just to see what other people are thinking. But um, 
I feel like I'm just frustrated because I, whatever I say is, it doesn't, I don't think it's making a difference because I think 99% of the people that read my tweets are people that already feel that, that way anyways. So. Yeah. Um, or if anything, I lose a couple of fans because like, oh, there's the douchebag musician artist that wants to pontificate about politics. It's like, okay, so artists and musicians shouldn't do that or... Well. I mean, but you're, the, you, yeah. you're uh, you know, whatever your occupation is, you're free to, you know, to spout your, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah. a weird, like, That's we're a, not allowed to do that. And It's kind of a double standard that went out the window, too, when we hired a reality develop like a, a, a reality yeah, star Elias, real estate mogul like, as well, our president the, guy, the president i is think the everybody can talk now you know yeah. like a, an artist a musician i mean we literally had arnold schwarzenegger was the governor of largest state in the country and ran yeah, like the, the idea ground. that you can't say something about politics it's, is it's, it's absurd it, it's enraging it's totally in my mind so remember I that reagan guy i think up. he did some art didn't he do art before i've kind <laughs> yeah, of given exactly. up the fact that people think he's a man of the people for the coal miners of West Virginia, it's like, he does not. Well, it's just silly, yeah. The, the thing I'm starting to think, though, and I think we've both potentially fallen victim to it, is I think it's intentionally, the discourse has intentionally gone to Twitter. He does it on purpose. Yeah. He does it so people like you and I, who maybe actually could make some real to anybody here it could actually make some real impact in different ways i think he wants the conversation there where you are screaming into a vacuum yeah. but you're actually interacting with other people other people are seeing what you're saying so it feels like you're actually doing something and i think he wants people to feel like they're actually doing something while doing not that much and i also think, think he has devalued everything nothing has value Right. Words don't have value. Facts don't have value. Information or perceptions of things don't have value. The only thing that has value is what he says at any given moment. Right. His followers. It's just. It's really hard with with kids. Um, and it's interesting going back to your story about bullying. I have my kids have cousins who have a little trouble in school. <clears throat> when the election happened, one of them was crying. Was like, "Am I going to get bullied more?" because mm. this guy is and a lot of teachers mm -hmm. at conferences have talked about how and it's the most embarrassing statement in i think my life how do you explain to a child that just because the president is a bully <laughs> mm. doesn't mean that it's okay to be a bully yeah which is still not cool <clears throat> yeah you know what i mean my therapist has actually forbidden me he's like you have to stay off twitter and facebook it's it's hurting yeah. you and it's Three hard of the most important people in my life have told me to stop doing it on twitter <clears throat> You have my wife and Wayne from the Flaming Lips have all told me stop doing that. Yeah, you were you were, you were <clears throat> jerk. Well, you were just you were just going dark. You were you were going. But that's down. what I was saying before. I'm frustrated because I don't know how to. What's you know? What's my angle on this thing? You know, yeah. Pat Oswalt's kind of funny. Mm. You know, different people do different things. You know, uh, I know. There's um. Yeah, I know a guy who's been doing some really funny things with. He's been. He started trolling uh, Richard Spencer guy who I didn't know who yeah, or yeah. what he was and shouldn't care anyway. Yeah. But um, he would just say things like, I hope you get stuck in a long line at the grocery store. Yeah. And just kept things like that. And he was like, <laughs> it's a little thing. It's innocuous. It makes me feel better. And dude responded. He was like, you're kind of a low-level troll. And I think he responded, you're kind of a low-level human or something like that. You know, just a little kind of, but just dumb little things like that. The, the Twitter... 
idea of ringing the doorbell and running. Some about it. I can't see. That's the problem, and that's where Twitter is a horrible place. Is yeah. If I did that in a Richard Spencer thread with the last name Horowitz, see what the fuck happens. On oh, Twitter. this is well. This is this For is real. this is a Rosenberg. It's some nasty shit, man. This, yeah. Like I, I was opened up to the Twitter world on a Hillary Clinton thread, and some guy she wrote like Happy Ramadan on it. Some guy posted a picture of like a ton of pork. And wrote, yeah, have a happy Ramadan. And I just write to this guy, classy. That's all I wrote. That's all you wrote. <clears throat> all classy. I wrote. Yeah. Floodgates. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, within 15 minutes, I was called a kike. I was told to go back to Israel. Like, what the fuck do it's... I know about Israel anyway? Like, or have anything to do with it? And all this shit. You didn't shit. do your birthright? Dude, it's no, a like, bummer. Come day. on, baby. Barely went to college. I don't know about <laughs> any of this stuff, man. Um not to mention my family was well in America before Israel was even a thought. So, like, I, I don't even know what to say to this stuff, but, like... Don't give the egg avatar but, their but no, due, No, but that's man. the problem with Twitter. Those people scared me out of talking. Not because I'm scared of these actual people. Because I don't want to fucking hear that from somebody I don't know. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be opened up to something like that, even though... I do want to use my voice. Dude, that, that's what happens when, when comment boards become mainstream. You know what oh, I mean? God, yeah. I saw a guy comment <clears throat> about Obama saying that Obama played the race card the first day he wouldn't release his birth uh, birth certificate. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, see, that's where you got to <laughs> oh, pay attention. My blood pressure just went yeah. to the roof. It's, that, just, it's just everybody's drunk uncle learned how to type with their thumbs. <laughs> and that's the hard yeah. thing to yeah. shake off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was... <clears throat> I, I I grew up with, um, you know, like I spent a lot of time in the Midwest. My dad was in the military. So like I grew up with like Lieutenant Colonel in the Army, NRA, the proudest PBS supporter you'd ever meet in your life. My dad carrying his tote bag from the local place, donated everything. And it's like, well, that's the kind of person that, that right. that's where you go. Your arguments are valid. You have to separate it from the crazy. Um, I had a question for Stephen Burns. Um, Thank you, what? Jonah. <laughs> Yo, let's switch gears, man. Yeah, no man. rush and no more Trump. <laughs> yeah. Move on. What, uh, what is it like, sort of, obviously you guys have collaborated a long time, you're really close friends, but what's it like being in a band with someone who has made your favorite record? I mean, that to me must be surreal. Was it hard to get used to? Was it natural? Uh, <laughs> caress him. It's, it's interesting because... Um, it's it's a little daunting sometimes because you know when we were recording the kids record like I can't keep up you know it's like I just like, I literally can't keep up it's like okay we're gonna do this huge David Bowie meets uh, <laughs> yeah I'll say those things like it's got to be like Ben Hur and David Bowie but with the Wizard of Oz backing vocals oh God, is it and Stephen's like halfway done with that an hour and a half later and I've got three lines written you know what I mean so the, the it is. He is an extraordinary guy. Like I think other musicians would certainly back that up. Like it's it's a rare. He's a rare bird, so it's hard to work with sometimes. But it's, like, it's so fun. I mean, like it, this is the guy who's written all my favorite music. And I, of all the things Stephen does, I love it when he plays the drums. Like I just that that's the one. That's what gets me because he just looks so weird when he does it. Because he's got yeah. Like he's just got this like really intense thing, you know, and and the drum sounds on the soft bullet are kind of what blew my mind oh, first, and then to see like the actual keyboard that made the cool string sound and all like that, that's cool. Um, 
but the way we work together on the kids thing is like I don't touch any instruments. You know what I mean? Like we don't have time for me to do except for the omni chord. Right. Like yeah. we we just the way we work there's I probably in theory could play one or two of the parts that happened maybe, but it would take 2 days for me to do it. Mm. You know, yeah. so he just plays everything, so it's just kind of like watching a movie. I think we figured out quickly <laughs> that if I do that and don't worry about exactly what you're going to write lyrically, and you don't worry exactly about about exactly what I'm going to do musically, then you can excel at what you not what at what you do, and I can try to quickly create the foundation for it. And they just kind of they kind, in, of, they kind of help each other along. You know? Yeah, and but in, <clears throat> when we did my solo record, which I think only my mother bought, you know, um, <laughs> that was different because I was coming to Stephen with songs and all these tracks that i had done at home right right. and that was in a way like as a fanboy, like that was even cooler because steven would be like well no i thought we keep that no i like that part i'd be like oh really (laughs) (laughs) so you're gonna be full on front man mode when you guys play out sort of he I mean, he's the front man yeah yeah you know i mean but with guitar drag, behind the guitar drag me into the shenanigans but i'm mostly just playing music so. yeah i would rather i mean to the, you know, like i would i would my ideal thing is that we were both kind of mm-hmm. singing like front men you know kind of thing but i think it's cool for kids though to see one guy who's kind of a conventional uh, ringleader and then this other dude who is surrounded by instruments that he can play every single one. Yeah, we're going to try to make that part of the thing that yeah. I'm playing this instrument on this song. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Are there any um, visual ideas? I mean, it seems from the video and the, lots, there's a lot of aesthetic. Lots of so. visuals. No, not really, not anymore. So <laughs> we're just going to... Uh, there are. I mean, like, we, we're going to try to see what works. But, you know... Um, no laundry machines going in no, and out? No, we're not. Like that. that still pisses me But, off. you know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they did that. Like, why? I think I think if we had two months to really work up a show, I think right. we, could, we could... I think we've got some really strong ideas for, yeah. for a multimedia thing. But I don't know that this will be the show where we have the time to really implement them. But we'll see what works. And we're going to try some stuff. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to try some cool stuff. Is it, is it anyone else you hired guns with you? Or you just run around playing everything? Well, I have a lot of the music is just uh, tracks from the original recordings. And I just mm. play on top of them. Okay. Yeah, so it's just me playing music and him singing. And I back him up with the vocals on, on certain songs. And we're still figuring it out. We have till 1 o'clock on Sunday to figure out this show. So. Yeah. I mean, there's there's ideas. Like, you know, I wanted to do some live chroma key stuff. You know what I mean? Because I've never seen that in a kid show before. And mm. it's also the world I come from. You know, I, I can't, you know, we'll, there'll probably be sock puppetry or something. You know what I mean? Like, got to do something. Yeah. What do you, you think know? the audience will be like? Do you have any ideas? Or is it kind of... It's a good parents, question. Parents know. and kids. Yeah. You know, um, we do... We deliberately didn't aim this album at any age group, so we don't really know what we'll see. But I just imagine... Who's putting it out? We are. Just straight up? Yeah. Good for you. Like tangible or just out there and... Physical copy. Physical copy? We can buy a physical copy. I would would urge you to to buy a physical copy. That would be great. (laughs) No, we had... uh, I I I shouldn't get into it, but we had like six labels turn us down for either it wasn't kid centric enough or it was not you know we just had 
we heard every excuse for not wanting to put the But they were on. all interested. You know, they yeah. were all like, this is something interesting. What is it? You know, so there's always like this little flurry. And those of, people could all go to hell now. Ooh, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're all scared to market something they don't know how to market. Yeah, but they were all like, this is different. What is happening? Exactly. Yeah. It's just do like, we need to have this? I can't Brain tell. overload. We're already being encouraged because uh, the Unicorn and Princess Rainbow song was what, number three on. It's Kid, serious, yeah. Good zone, serious nice. station. So it's great. Went from like 13 to 3 in a couple of weeks. So whatever that means, it's something. It's encouraging. Dude, kids so. go for that stuff. Yeah. You can like, in D.C., you can go visit and talk to the DJ, you know, where they where the serious, where they play all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh, really? I know a parent who just did that. She just emailed. It's like, hey, my kids want to come by. They love your show. And that's where all this stuff gets played, you know. Mm-hmm. The, you know, even... Yeah, I guess the biggest story about kids stuff is they might be giants, you know, when they made that switch years and years ago. <clears throat> that's how most of my friends' kids got into music was through that. And they do a good job. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's great. It's super mm-hmm. cool. I'm a big fan. Actually, yeah, it's like, so I'm a really big fan. And, Are you guys uh, planning on doing a lot more touring or wait and see what happens? I think we're going to okay, we'll do this show on uh, on Sunday. And if it goes well, we have a Oklahoma City show that people want us to play and we'll do that if this goes well on Sunday. I mean, I think we'd both like to, but I don't yeah. know what the... Uh, I, I mean, know. the lips this year are just crazy yeah. busy. I mean, so. half of my band is in a real band. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. He's going to be busy. Yeah, like, I, we play Sunday. I fly home that night to Oklahoma City and then fly back here on Wednesday. So. Well, then you're just going to have to open for yourself. I mean, that's really what we're trying to get across. <laughs> well, that's what the Giants do. Which I think is really smart. Like when they're playing a festival gig, their sound check is basically their kid show. Oh, no way. It's a good idea. It's It's actually really smart. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, do you just continue, you know, when when he goes on tour and you guys aren't actively working, do you continue to work on music independently? No. You know, I mean, it hasn't really been like that. I mean, I'm a a musician as much as I'm anything else. You know, I'm I'm always noodling around. I've I've always got music that I write, you know, but... uh, I don't. I don't have like a hard drive full of kids' songs, but uh, I do have a bunch of ideas. So, and I know you do too. Like we have a couple of ideas. Yeah, we actually, want to work yeah, on. Yeah. We have a Christmas song we want to try to do this next year. So, mm-hmm. pretty cool. I could see us doing a whole other EP if the interest is there. So, yeah. there's a character on the record uh, where we just did a piece of radio theater because I've always wanted to do that with like Foley effects and stuff. And uh, Rick the Giant, yeah, and, and like it's 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 as though he and I are in the recording studio. We're trying to write a song, and we're trying to play the drums and make them sound ginormous, but it just sounds like crap. Yeah. And then there's a knock on the door. It's like, hey guys, how are you doing? You know, and it's like, and he's like, oh, it's Rick the Giant from, from next, next door. door. Yeah. Cool, you know. And Rick the Giant comes over and destroys the drum set or whatever. He offers to play drums with us. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you That's play so the drums. Cool. That's cool. But it was really fun to do. And we did it just like you know, we just kind of the did drums it a go takes. from like. Nothing to full on distortion <laughs> reverb trail. God, <laughs> of action drums. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but we we're very fond of Rick the Giant. Uh, just from making it, and that, we just thought it'd be hilarious to do like a David Bowie, Bing Crosby kind of holiday album you know, with Rick the Giant. <laughs> with Rick, Rick, with the, Rick Giant. the Giant. I love that. You do the ginormous drummer boy, and that's that's you know, is Rick the Giant the uh, inspiration for you? Playing that that tiny little drum set in the video. That's me playing the tiny little drum that's, set. That's yeah. you in the in the tiny kit. Yeah, that's, yeah. Him, that's him working that out for the show on Sunday. Oh, yeah, really? I was kind of thinking that we'd do that with just like a couple of dolls, and I would come in. Hey guys, yeah, no, no. that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, 
There's going to be a visual element to the show. So. We'll see if any of that works. We don't know if any of that's going to work. Hopefully it will. I think file under shenanigans yeah. is what I would say. Yeah. Shenanigans. That'd be a great record, shenanigans, yeah. record name, the next next record. Ah, dude, shenanigans. File under okay. shenanigans. Li- li- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Live at shenanigans. No. File under shenanigans. All right. Oh, good. I want to point out that uh, four Stevens in this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wow. Was, yeah, it was Steve Burns, yes. Steve Drozd, Stephen Smith, and Steve Grawalski at Pulse Music, who engineered this sesh. Right. Who keeps him, keeps quiet. He keeps quiet, although keep listening, in. and you may hear Stephen Grawalski bow, bow, chime bow. in a little more in the future. <laughs> I can sometimes tell the future. You can? Yeah. <laughs> I can, but uh, yeah, definitely. So check out those Sam Am shows in June, June 9th in Garward, New Jersey, June 10th in Crichton, PA. That one's free. Check them out in Europe in July. And if you want to support this podcast, uh, please uh, visit goingofftrack.com. You can donate or you can donate via Venmo at Off Track. That'll send the money straight to Brad's account. I don't know why. Thank you. I don't know why he set it up that way, <laughs> but I don't know another way to set it up. Uh, and Brad is a very trustworthy guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm buying lotto tickets. Um, One of them will pay off, man. Yeah, I. Uh, I'll save the story for another one. I was going to tell an embarrassing <laughs> dating story from, from oh, really? last night. Yeah, and I know t- you love hearing. Got to tell it at the beginning, man. I'll tell it at the beginning next next week. Tune in next week for a very embarrassing dating story by me. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, if you can't afford to donate, that's cool. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tweet at us at Going Off Track. Tell your friends about the podcast. We're back with another great one next week. Thanks to Pulse Music. Thanks to Steven Steven. Thanks to our publicist, Maggie, for setting it up. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.